Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Attack the objective! Well, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome back to the front line. And yes, I said good morning. I don't record very often in the morning time. Uh, in the past, over the last, I guess, two years of recording this podcast, my main day for recording was on Saturdays. But just recently, uh, we did we did a bit of a change of schedule. Uh, we, as in my wife and I, we had a a good conversation, kind of just a life conversation. If you're a married man, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, every now and then, you need to have. Uh, some good times of conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, with your wife. Make sure that you're on the same page uh, with things. Make sure that everybody's, uh, you know, content with scheduling because life gets busy. Your wife has her schedule and you have your schedule. And sometimes schedules can get a little bit busy and a little bit, a little bit hectic, at, hectic at times. <laughs> You can tell it's early in the morning because I'm still waking up, having a hard time getting my words out of my mouth. I apologize for that. It's 5.01 a.m. Uh, it's a Monday morning, so I do have to leave to go to work in a little bit. Um, but I wanted to get this podcast in. So saying all that, Saturdays now are my day off. And I've always considered Saturdays to be my day off, mainly because I'm not working. Um but Sundays for us, if you've been a listener of the podcast for a while, you know that I'm also a pastor um, and also my wife and I lead worship with our family. And so being involved in ministry on weekends at our at our local church um, keeps us busy on Sundays. So Sundays are definitely not a day off for me and for my wife. And Monday to Friday, I'm working. And so we concluded that Saturdays need to be a day where I'm like off, like literally, mentally, actually off. And part of me wanted to justify and say, well, it is my day off. And, you know, it's my only day to really record and stuff. And, um, you know, talking to myself this way. But as we as we talked about me needing needing an actual day off, uh, I realized that, you know what, it's true because even if, you know, even if, um, <clears throat> you know, it, there was a time slot on a, on a Saturday where I could fit in a podcast uh, and a lot of times it worked fine um, mentally throughout my day when I'm hanging with my wife, hanging with my kids, uh, mentally I wasn't all there because 
Um, I was thinking about the podcast, thinking about the recording, thinking about the interview I was about to do. Um, and so I wasn't really off. And so anyway, saying all that, I'm, I'm looking for other times throughout my week that works to record. And I'm trusting God that he's going to open up some more time for me to have uh, to set aside for the podcast ministry. Um, it is growing and I'm grateful to, to all of you who listen uh, and who reach out to me. And, and so I appreciate you very much. So, yeah, good morning. It's now 5.03 in the morning and I have my hot cup of coffee with me here. So I am going to take a sip. And we are going to get started on the podcast today. Let's get to today's topic. Let's get this show on the road. So on today's podcast, I want to talk to you about, uh, there's some parables in the Bible. Um, A parable is simply uh, an earthly story. Uh, Jesus told a lot of parables and they're just earthly stories with a heavenly or a spiritual meaning to it. And oftentimes Jesus would would speak in parables to uh, bring a kingdom message, a message of the kingdom of of God, the kingdom of heaven, and uh, and he would share that in a, a really simple story uh, to allow there to be understanding. And so we're going to look here together, gentlemen, uh, in Luke chapter fifteen. There's three parables that we're going to read through today. Uh, they're not very long, and they're actually fantastic, and they have an amazing message that we're going to find uh, on the podcast today. But we're going to look at the parable, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And so we're just going to get started. So Luke chapter 15, and I'm just going to read through these parables, these short par- parables, and we're just going to talk about them and see what the Lord can teach us uh, on the podcast today. So Luke chapter 15, and we're just going to start at verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. So right away, there's this picture that you can picture in your mind. There's Jesus possibly sitting down on a rock or, or on, a, on a stool, and he's teaching. And there's sinners, and they're called notorious sinners, and they're with tax collectors. And actually, tax collectors are often, um, in Scripture, you'll say that, that they're often uh, affiliated with sinners. You'll, you'll, it'll, be, it'll read in your Bible, uh, there were tax collectors and sinners, because tax collectors were grouped with sinners uh, because they were hated by the people. They were known for scamming people, ripping people off. And, and I mean, even nowadays in 2022, when it comes to paying taxes, uh, people aren't so thrilled about paying taxes. But in the scripture, in the, the Bible days, uh, tax collectors were uh, known for ripping people off. And so they're sitting there with other notorious sinners and they're listening to Jesus teach. And so verse two says, this made the Pharisees and the other teachers of religion complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And the word notorious for notorious sinners is actually just means to be famous for a a bad quality. So these dudes were famous for their crimes, famous for their their sin, their evil ways. They weren't famous or or well-known or popular. 
you know, because they were good guys or they had good character or good qualities, they were famous uh, for negative reasons. Uh, they're notorious sinners. And people didn't like that Jesus would sit with them uh, alongside other people who believed in Jesus. Uh, they didn't like the fact that Jesus welcomed everybody. And that's a huge, big idea of Jesus. He welcomes everyone to come to him just as they are. I mean, I'm grateful to God for me that he allows me as just a simple man to come to him with childlike faith, just as I am with all of my junk and drama and failures and, and all that stuff, all of, all the things of my flesh, I'm able to still come by faith in God just as I am. And so I'm sure you're grateful for that as well. So Jesus starts sharing this parable of the lost sheep. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So there's this shepherd in this story, and he's got a hundred sheep, and one of his sheep he sees are missing. And Jesus is like, this shepherd, what's he going to do? Well, what he does is he leaves the 99 other sheep in the wilderness, and he goes to find the one sheep who is lost. He strayed away. He's supposed to be with the other sheep. He's supposed to be following the shepherd, and yet this sheep strays away. Sounds like us at times. Amen? <laughs> but I want to ask you a question. If you were an actual shepherd, like not spiritually speaking, we're talking naturally like speaking, in the field watching sheep, it was your job. And that, and you notice, say you also had a hundred sheep, and you notice one sheep was missing. What would you do? Would you leave it alone? Would you forget about it, or would you go find it and leave the other ninety-nine? And I'm going to be honest with you right now. If I was an actual shepherd, I would probably leave that one sheep alone because I would be concerned. Naturally speaking, I would be concerned that if I leave these other 99 unattended, that a, you know, a pack of coyotes or a wolf will come in and start to steal more sheep than just one. And so, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, bear and grin it and just cut the costs and, you know, whatever. He, he's probably lost. I don't know where he is. How am I supposed to find him out in the, in the deep woods? Uh, he's probably already eaten. Uh, you know, it, there's probably no sense in me going to find one sheep. I still have 99, right? It, it, it makes no sense to leave 99 for one. That would be my mentality, naturally speaking, right? And, and I'm just being honest with you. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm not God. Because God would leave and go find <laughs> the one sheep. A good, a really good shepherd of of natural Baba sheep would actually go and find that one, but but I'm not like that, and that's why I'm not a shepherd today, I suppose. 
But spiritually speaking, God sees when one of us stray away. And God is so loving that he's willing to leave the 99 to go and find the one who strayed away. And in saying all that, I realize clearly that I am not God. God is so full of perfect grace and love and compassion for people. I want to be, but I'm not because I'm not God. The love of God that he has for people, all, you know, almost 8 billion people on planet Earth, God loves them with a love that you and I will never fully understand, will never fully be able to love that same way that God loves. God would leave the 99 to go find one lost person. That's how much God loves people who are lost, who are strained. And these parables that we're reading are talking about people who are actually sheep, so followers of Jesus who have strayed away into sinful situations, into sinful patterns in their lifestyle. They've strayed, they've wandered away from from truly following the ways of God, but they're still a sheep. They're still a part of the body. They're just strayed. They They need a shepherd to come and pull them back. And this parable, these parables are also speaking to lost sinners because notice it said in regards to this parable that all of heaven rejoices when one person, one sinner is saved, one sinner is found like that lost sheep. I think that's pretty amazing of how this shows how much God loves you and me this morning even when we stray away and do stupid, dumb things that are only self-focused and have nothing to do with God's plan for our lives. There he is. He's still there to pull me back by his incredible love and grace. He continues in his parables in Luke 15. This is verse 8, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one coin. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she'll call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So a woman, she has 10 coins. Let me just get a quick sip. This woman has 10 coins and she loses one. And Jesus is like, this woman's going to put on all of the lights in the house. She's going to light her lamp and she's going to begin to sweep every square inch of that house carefully until she finds it. And then when she finds that coin after sweeping the entire house, she finds the one coin. She's going to call her friends and say, come on over. We're going to have a party. Uh, 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 A lost coin is found party. Right? Come on, you're invited. And and then and then Jesus says, in the same way, with finding that one lost coin, there, there's such rejoicing and joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. Think about that. When one person here on earth repents and turns to God in faith, is finds the free gift of salvation, is his sins are forgiven by Jesus. Heaven rejoices when one sinner, 
out of all the billions of people, when one person returns to God, comes to God in faith, receives the love and the grace of God, all of heaven rejoices. Like this party they're throwing down for one lost coin or one lost sheep. Listen, if you had 10 coins and you lost one of them, Would you flick on every single light in your house and start vacuuming and sweeping the entire house, every floor, upstairs, you know, the living room, the kitchen, the basement, all the bathrooms, start sweeping till you find that one coin? I don't think I would. You know, a penny, you lose a penny. Obviously, no, I'm not going to sweep the entire house and turn on all my lights for a penny. You you can't even use pennies nowadays, right? They're, They're actually literally, you can't use them anymore. What about a nickel? No, for five cents, a nickel? No, I'm not going to sweep the house. A dime, a quarter? No, absolutely not. If I have four quarters and I lose a quarter, I'm just going to say goodbye to that quarter. It's It's not valuable enough to me in order to sweep the house. Now, what about a loonie? A loonie or a toonie if you're a Canadian like me, right? We got toonies, loonies and toonies. Yeah, honestly, if I have 10 loonies and I lose a loonie, I'm going to be looking for that loonie. Probably not sweeping the entire house, probably not flicking on all the lights, you know, and, and doing everything I can do to find that that lost loonie. But I would do a little bit of searching for a loonie. Everything below that, no, it's just a lost coin. But see, again, I'm not God. God would even, God would look for the lost penny. And, 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 and sinners and lost, strange sheep they're the lost penny. Are you getting the picture? You're getting the point? Something that seems so invaluable to us is valuable to God. You and I are valuable to God. And he would go to extreme measures to find us, to come and get us, to bring us back home when we stray when, we, when we're lost and all of heaven rejoices when a lost sinner comes to God or when a lost person is found. He was lost, but now he is found and all of heaven rejoices at that. Look how precious to God our eternal souls are. See, we're made in the image and likeness of God, gentlemen. With all of our flaws and failures of our flesh and our sinful ways in this broken world, we are so valuable in the sight of God. He loves us so much. He loves us with an undeserved love, unconditional. We can stray over and over again, and sometimes we do. And God is always there waiting for us to bring us back and to come and find us. He would come and find that lost penny, that lost nickel, that to us we wouldn't even think about finding. But there's God searching us out, bringing us back to his love and to his mercy and grace. Sometimes, gentlemen, you might feel like you've strayed too far from the grace of God. I want you to know you haven't. If you feel like, you know what, I'm a sheep, I love Jesus, I'm in the flock, I'm in the body of Christ, I am a follower of God, I am a Christian, but I'm straying right now in my life into things that I should not be doing, places that I should not be going. If that's you this morning, there is hope for you. God loves you. 
and God's going to come after you because you're his son. He's not going to let you wander off to a place where you are ultimately destroyed and devoured by ravenous wolves. God's coming after you, gentlemen. And maybe he's using this podcast as a reminder that that you can't run too far from God. There he is. I mean, even in that one Psalm, I forget where it was. I think it's Psalm 139. David's like, where can I go from your presence? I go here, I go there, even down to the depths of hell. There you are. Like your presence is everywhere I go, God. You're there to pull me back, to draw me back. And all of heaven rejoices when even one sinner repents. God, I'm turning from my sinful ways. I'm returning back to my first love, God, to you. And God is so good to be the one to come and find us. Aren't you glad for that, gentlemen? (laughs) I know I am. Take a quick sip. Now I want to go to this last parable, the parable of the lost son. And this is a very well-known parable. Even people who aren't, you know, quote, church people or, you know, religious people, they've heard of the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. And so verse 11 says, to illustrate this point further, this point that we're talking about, when, when we're lost, God comes to find us. God goes to great measures to come and find us, to draw us back. He'll use conviction to draw us back. He'll use love and goodness and kindness. There's a Bible verse that says that it's the goodness of God or the kindness of God that draw, that leads us to repentance. Right When you think of repentance, it means you're walking one way in, in, a, in a lifestyle of sin or in a season where you're in, in, in some sort of sin. And to repent of that sin means to literally turn and go back to God. You're, you, you turn away from the sin and you are returning back to God. Lord, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm repenting. I'm turning back to you. And so to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Notice that his father willingly gave him his inheritance. It's probably a lot of money. A lot of money. Most times inheritances, that's a hard word to say, plural. An inheritance is a lot of money. And this father willingly gives to his son a lot of money. And this son selfishly filled with pride and foolishness, he moves out from his father's house where he was safely provided, taken care of in the father's house and with selfishness and greed and sinful lust and pleasure, this young man takes his father's money. He didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. He was given it freely by his dad and he takes this money and the Bible says he moves out 
you know, to his own apartment. I'm moving out, no longer going to live under my dad's rules, my dad's authority, even though I'm provided for, even though I'm safe, even though I have everything that I could possibly need. And he moves out to a distant land far away. And there he wastes all his money in a party life, in wild living. And sometimes you and I, over the years, if you look back, even possibly now, maybe you're caught up right now in party lifestyle. A lot of men are. A lot of younger men, even older, you know, men in their 30s and 40s, probably in their 50s and 60s as well. They can get caught up in this quote, like this party lifestyle. Hey, man. Hey, it's Friday. You know, going to hit the bars, you know, or younger men. I'm going to hit the clubs and and go out and just fulfill the lusts of my flesh, right? These lusts of our flesh and go out and, and pick up at the bar and and, and and drink too much booze and 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 find ladies. And this is that party lifestyle that you see how it's always been there. It's always been there. Living for the weekends, living for the club, living for the booze, living for the bar, living for the, you know, the party. Wild living. He wasted it. He wasted all of his money on wild living. And then notice verse 14. So while this guy's out partying it up, spending all his money on parties, about the time, verse 14, it says, his money ran out. And there's a lesson there in those four words. His money ran out. The Bible talks about this idea of there's pleasure in sin. And let's all be real. There is pleasure in sin. It feeds the desires of our flesh, our sinful lust of our flesh. And there's pleasure found there. There's, you know, there's sexual pleasure found in sin. There's, you know, emotional, mental, physical pleasure found in, you know, getting involved in relationships that aren't okay. Oh, but it makes me feel good. It, it, it makes me feel emotionally just happy. Yeah, well, dude, that woman's not your your wife. That that woman, I know you're not a married man, but that woman, she's up to no good. Yeah, but we get along so well at work. Yeah, well, look at the things she's involved in. She's pulling you away from the things of God. She's a total distraction in your life. You know, yeah, I think I'm just going to have another drink or I'm going to, you know, get involved in smoking weed. Hey, weeds, you know, it's legal now. You can do it legally now. So I'm just going to, you know, feed this lust and these pleasures of my flesh by just, you know, getting some drugs into my body, some, you know, too much alcohol, you know, where, where I feel a, a little bit tipsy and, and, and all these things. There's pleasure in these, these sinful things. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that drinking alcohol is sin. The Bible doesn't teach that. But drinking too much alcohol when you become drunk, drunkenness is a sin. And that's a whole other topic for another podcast, This the idea of Christians and alcohol. But I'm saying drunkenness, if you're allowing your, your drinking of alcohol to take you to a place of drunkenness where it messes with your mind, that's sin. Saying all of that, there's pleasure in these things, gentlemen. There is, but it's temporary. And this young man is experiencing all of these sinful pleasures, but now his money ran out. Sin 
and the pleasure of it is only temporary. That high runs out quickly and then you are left with guilt and shame and condemnation. Why did I do that? Why did I go there? Why did I get involved in that situation? Now you're feeling guilt and shame and condemned by the enemy and you're worse off than when when you were before. But sin runs out and the pleasures of it. And this young man, his money ran out. And the Bible says a great famine swept over the land. And now he began to starve. So he goes from wild living, spending money like crazy, you know, probably splurging on food, sleeping with prostitutes, doing whatever he wanted to do. But now he's broke and he's starving. He's broke. And he's starving. He's hungry. He's got no food. He's got no money to buy any food. He's broken, starving. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now notice that word. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to simply go out and feed the pigs. Now, now I'm not knocking, you know, pig farmers. No, that's hard work. I, I know some some men who are pig farmers. That is a man's man's job. You know, raising pigs, feeding pigs, you know, cleaning the stalls. Uh, that is a straight up job of a man's man. I will say that. That is not easy work. But this guy had to persuade a pig farmer to even hire him to go out and just feed the pigs. Notice he had to persuade him. He probably handed in his resume and and the farmer of this farm, he, he reads the resume and is like, okay, you, you left home, you're single, you know, you're broke, you're you're depressed, you're you're starving. You know, what do you have to offer me in my my farm business here? My farming business, right? Like, why would I hire you? Please, please, please. And he begins to persuade him. Please, I'm desperate. I'm so hungry. Please, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll feed them 12 hour days. I don't care. I don't, you know, I don't care how sweaty and dirty and filthy I'll get. I don't care if nobody else wants to do this kind of job. I'll do it, please. And he had to persuade him. And finally, the guy hires him. He's in this kind of desperate situation. Please hire me. Oh man, I'm so desperate here. I'm down and out, broke and hungry. Okay, fine, you're hired. Go out and feed the pigs 12 hours a day. So verse 16 says, this young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Pig food. He's looking at pig food and he's like, oh, this looks delicious. What a, what a three course meal of, of pig pods. And then I'll, fin- I'll you know, finish it off with some more pig pods. <laughs> and then I'll get a to-go bag of pig pods. And then it's, it says here, the pig food looked good to him. And then it says, but no one gave him anything. Now, I would guess that when this guy had money before he spent it all and went broke, he probably had friends. Isn't that interesting how when you have money, you got friends, right? It's like, hey, you know, you, you, you see one of your old high school friends, they win the lottery. And it's been like 20 years, 25 years since you've even talked with them. And even when you were in school, you weren't even good friends, right? You're just kind of more acquaintances. And suddenly he wins the lottery and you're like hitting him up. You know, you find him online on social media. Hey, yeah, my guy, my guy. Yeah, man, it's just, it's been a long time. I was just thinking about you, man. It's been like 20 years since we've talked, since high school, man. Like, how you doing? I just felt to to connect with you. 
And he's like, well, you you probably saw on on, on the news that I, I'm rich now, right? No, no, no. I don't know what you're I don't know what you're talking about. Rich? No, I'm not sure what you're saying. I just felt to connect with you, man. It's been so long. What's up? Do you want to meet for coffee? Nah, dude. You, yeah, I'm rich now, right? You want my money. No, nah, bro. What money? What are you talking about? Money? This is nothing. Yeah, it's all about the money, right? When when people got money, you want to be their friend. That's just how it is. That's how it's always been. And this guy probably had a lot of friends when he had money. And he probably had a lot of women, right? On his on his arm. He got a woman on each arm walking down the road, you know, throwing his money away, living the party lifestyle. He had his posse, his homeboys, his homie, right? He, he probably had a lot of people around him. And notice now he's sitting there, finally just barely got a job feeding pigs. And now he's so hungry, he's thinking the pig food looks delicious. And no one gave him anything. He's alone in the mud with pigs. Pigs are his new acquaintances. Pigs are his new friends. This is a picture of this man who was living a good life in his father's house. Provided for, protected, taking care of everything he needed in his father's house. Now he's hitting rock bottom. He's hit rock bottom in the pig stall, feeding pigs, broke and hungry. And sometimes God will allow us to hit rock bottom in order for us to come to our senses. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom in order to see how desperately we need God. That what we do have actually is an incredible blessing from God. Sometimes we take things for granted and the Lord needs to allow us to hit rock bottom in order us to see that we've been taking things for granted in our lives. And this young man has hit rock bottom. But this is the place where he comes to his senses. And look at what verse 17 says. When he finally came to his senses, he says to himself, he's got nobody else to talk to. The pigs aren't going to talk back to him. He's talking to himself now, and he says to himself, man, at home, when I lived at home, even the hired servants at my home had enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Man, I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. How often can we find ourselves when we stray away from the things of God, we can feel like we're not worthy to be called a son of God anymore. I'm sure you know what that's like. I've experienced that over the years of my life. All the stupid, selfish, sinful things over the years of my life that I've gotten involved in. And God had to, I had to cry out to God for mercy. God had to come find me and bring me back into the house, into the home, into the sheepfold. I felt like I was not worthy, just like this guy here. He's like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to be straight with my dad. And I'm going to tell him, I'm not worthy. Make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be your son. So verse 20 says, so when he returned home to his father, sorry, while he, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Notice that. 
the son is returning home. And while he was a far way away, he, he was not close to home. He was still far, far off in the distance. His father saw him coming. It's like every morning I could envision this father waking up and going to the front window or going on the front porch and putting his hand over his eyes, looking far out into the distance. Can I see my son? Is he coming home yet? And this one particular morning, he lo- he goes out on his deck and he looks and his father sees him coming from a far ways off. His father sees him coming and he's not filled with anger. He's not filled with strife and resentment towards his son. The Bible says he's filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son. He didn't sit there waiting for his son to get to him. You know, he's sitting there tapping his foot saying, oh boy, when he finally gets to me, I'm going to give him a, a piece of my mind. His father sees him from far away off in the distance, and he's filled with love and compassion for his son that just wasted all of his money that he gave to him. He wasted all of his money, and he's filled with love and compassion for his son. And the Bible says he runs to his son. He goes to him. He doesn't wait for him. He goes to him, and he embraces him, and he kisses him. What a picture of the father's love. What a picture of the Father's love for you and I. How God easily, so quickly comes to us when we are far off, when we have strayed. Notice there wasn't any scolding for his son. He gets to him. He embraces him. His son's probably fallen on the ground, tired, worn out, feeling just like a disgrace, shame and guilt and condemnation. But his father falls down on the ground, embraces his son, kisses his son. There's no scolding his son. There's no questioning his son. What were you thinking? Wasting all my money, wasting all this time, doing what you wanted to do, you know, fulfilling all the sinful lusts of your flesh. Where were you? What would you do with my money? Who do you think you are? There was no scolding, no questioning from the father. There was no punishment from the father. There was love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness and grace, gentlemen, from the father to the son. Verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Notice the son is now reciting his confession that he talked to himself when he was sitting there with the pigs. He came up with this this confession that he's going to tell his father. And now he has the opportunity and he's saying, Father, I've sinned against you and against God, against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father completely ignores it. He completely ignores it in verse 22. But the father says to his servants, go, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on my son. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. And and while you're at it, kill the, the, the calf. Yeah, the one calf that we've set aside and we've been intentionally fattening up to become, you know, the fattest, healthiest, most delicious calf out of all of our out of all of our um cows. They would do that in the Bible times. They would set a, a calf aside and they would intentionally give it the best food 
food and they would fatten it up the best for a special occasion. And this father is like to his servant, go and get a ring that, that, that speaks of royalty and get a, a robe and bring that robe and put that fine robe that speaks of royalty. This son is coming from royally screwing up to now being a place and positioned of royalty. He's got a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, a fine robe on his back. And now they are preparing the fattest, most delicious calf out of all of them. He says, we must celebrate with a feast. Why? Why do this? For the son that just messed up and strayed and spent all of his father's money. Why would his father respond to this? This son does not feel worthy. And you know what? This son is not worthy. He is a disgrace. He is a failure. That would be our perspective of him. But not to the father. My son has come home. Listen to verse 24. For this son of mine was dead, but has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And then the Bible says, so the party began. Listen, gentlemen, that is the love and the heart of our father. He loves you. He loves his lost, strained sheep who are wandering off into things and places they should not be going, getting involved in things they should not be getting involved in. God knows all about it. Sometimes we think we can hide these things that we're getting involved in as followers of Jesus. It's like, it's like we're going to follow you, Jesus, but yet we're going to also, you know, have all these sinful things and habits and addictions and all these things on the side. And it doesn't work that way, gentlemen. It doesn't work that way. God knows. God knows our struggles. God knows our failure. God knows our sinful habits. God knows our addictions. God knows all of these things. And he wants us to come to him despite the struggle, despite having these things, despite straying off. And sometimes when we stray off into these things and we find ourselves, you know, like a lost sheep, we we can feel like the sun. I can't, I can't go back to God. Who am I? Who am I to go back to God? I have failed him. I'm not worthy. We can relate with this lost son. But I want to remind you today, look at the heart of the father. Look at how much he loved his son. He saw him coming from a far ways off and he ran to him. God sees you right now where you are. And God's running after you right now. And maybe right now you sense the father and his arms just coming and embracing you right now. Even in this moment, you feel the embrace of your father, your heavenly father. And he's telling you, man, I love you. I know you're struggling with these things right now, but I love you. I'm not here to scold you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to question you. I'm here to hold you, to kiss you, to embrace you as your father in heaven. You're my son. And so we see in this incredible passage of scripture of the lost Sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or the lost man. (laughs) How the father goes beyond what we would ever do 
in finding these things, these lost, precious things to God. You're precious to God, gentlemen. Oh, that's just a weird, I don't want to be known as precious. Well, you are. You're precious in the sight of God. You know, it talks about in Psalm 103 that God forgives us and he heals us and he crowns our our life with love and compassion. And it says in that passage in Psalm 103, you can read it for yourself, that he knows and remembers how we are formed and he knows that we're just dust. He knows that we're just mere men, gentlemen. And he wants us to come back. He wants us to come to him just as we are, just as we are. And so if you're straying right now, if you strayed right now, gentlemen, and you feel that guilt and that shame and that condemnation of the enemy, and you're putting all that even on yourself, you're, you're saying to yourself, like the lost son, I'm not worthy of God. I want you to know that God looks at you as worthy. Just come back to him. Allow him to search you out. Allow him to search you and find you. Stop resisting. Stop resisting what God is speaking to you in your life right now, gentlemen. He's for you. He's aware of where you are right now. He knows how deep you've gone. He knows how far you've strayed. But his love and mercy is still for you. His love and compassion is still for you. And he's waiting for you. And he's looking for you. And now he's running after you to put a robe on your back, to put a ring on your finger, to welcome you back into the home. Gentlemen, that's where you belong. In the words of Chris Daughtry, (laughs) the rocker, I'm coming, I'm going home to the place where I belong, right? You know that song. That's where you belong, gentlemen. You belong in the Father's house. You don't belong in the sheep pen. You don't belong in the house of the prostitute. You don't belong in the bar drinking yourself to a drunken stupor. You belong in the Father's house. So come back home. Come back to the Father. He's there waiting. And again, He's there running to you, running after you right now. You're not going to get away from Him. He loves you too much. You are too precious. You are too valuable to Him. I'm just one lost coin. I'm just one lost sheep. You are valuable to God, gentlemen. You need to know that. Lord, I pray for each man listening to this podcast right now. Father, if they've strayed into some areas of their life that they know they should not be involved in, God, I pray that you would just find them right now. You'd find them in the pig pen. You would find them in their lost situation And you would bring them home and you would throw that celebration. You would throw that celebration that my son was lost, but now he's come back home. Lord, that you would do that today, right now. You'd do that today for those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. He loves you guys. He loves you, gentlemen. Listen, if you need prayer, send me an email, standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Connect with me on social media at The Frontline Man. You'll find me on Instagram and on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me. Until next time, gentlemen, just keep standing on the front line. And until then, God bless you, man. Thanks for joining me on The Frontline. 
contact me at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Share this podcast with your family and friends. Look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God.